If you would, turn with me to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. And we're, I'm going to read a lot of scripture tonight, but, but scripture is good. Scripture is good. The word is good. Oh, the word is food to my soul. It's the bread of life. Come on, somebody. You got, oh, it's sweeter than the honey in the honeycomb. You got to have the word. Oh, I thank you, God, for your word. Your word is truth. Your word is alive and full of power. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1. When you got to say word. Now there was a certain man of Ramathium, uh, of Zophim, and of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, and the son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, and the son of Tuhu. And the son of Zuf, the Ephraimite, and he, that's a lot of stuff right there. Come on, somebody. And he had two wives, and the name of one was Hannah, and the other was Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts of Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. Say, all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was by year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, say, remember me. And not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am not a woman. I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have not drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maid's servant a wicked woman for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now then Eli answered and said go in peace and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked him and she let her your maidservant find favor in your sight so the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house in Ramah and Elkanah knew Hannah his wife and the Lord remembered her say and the Lord remembered her and it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel saying because I have asked for him from the Lord 
Father, I pray right now, God, that you would touch my lips with a coal from your altar that you would pour a horn of oil out upon my head. I pray, God, that you would uh, out of me push out, Father, the word of the Lord, the oracles of heaven, Father. I pray that none of my humanity would interfere with your divinity, Father. And I pray, God, that as the word go forth, Lord, let it make be deposited, make deposits in the hearts of the hearer. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen and amen. You may be seated. First and Second Samuel was originally a, uh, one book, but it was separated uh, and it was written during the time or at the tail end when, uh, of when Israel was being ruled by judges. And the story of Hannah takes place in a time where uh, Israel was living in a state of moral depravity and utter chaos. It was after, sounds familiar, doesn't it? Moral depravity and utter chaos. It was after God's people had seen his mighty hand and faithfulness time and time again. And it was after their extraordinary exodus from Egypt and where God had provided for them during uh, their wandering for 40 years in the wilderness. It was after God provided for them the law which he wrote by his own hand. It was after Israel had won many victories placing them in the land that God had promised to them. However, after all of these supernatural happenings and occurrences, God providing them with his law, they failed to adhere to his word and found themselves far from any moral compass. And oftentimes we read the phrase, and they did what was right in their own eyes during this time. Uh, how many can look around at the culture that we are living in and uh, see some similarities uh, in, in that, that people are doing what is right in their own eyes. And Elkanah was a priest, and he was of the tribe of Levi, who had two wives, the scripture says, and that's a problem in and of itself, but that's a whole nother sermon. A preacher with two wives. Yeah, yeah. And these two wives, we read, uh, one was fruitful, having multiple children, and the other one was barren, having no children. And in this time, being barren was a shameful thing. It was a, uh, a, 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 an accursed thing. When you were unable to perpetuate the lineage or name of your husband, uh, it, was, it was something that was frowned upon and looked down upon. And as if it weren't bad enough to have to deal with the societal perception of her inability to produce a child, Hannah, because of her barrenness, was afflicted by an adversary. Look at your neighbor say, adversary. So when I was in prayer about what I was to preach tonight, I wanted to hear the voice of God. And when he took me to this, I had something completely different uh, uh, prepared. I was actually going to just sit down and we're going to have a little teaching session on prayer. We were just going to talk a little bit about prayer. And God said, no, I don't, want you to, I don't want you to talk about prayer. I want you to talk about provocation. I want you to talk tonight and I want you to teach from a place, uh, a, a place where many, I believe, are right now. Uh, people, I believe, in this room and uh, people across the globe are in a position of being in a sorrowful place. A place where they have cried out to the Lord on multitudes of occasions and are waiting 
and yet have not seen the promises of the Lord come to pass in their lives. Can someone or anybody in this room say, I've been there or I understand what that looks like? Where you've been praying for promises, where you have been praying for provision, where you have been praying for resources, where you've been praying in a season where God is not moving. Come on, somebody. And we become weary in our prayer life. We become uh, positioned in and faint in prayer. We get w- uh, tired of praying. We don't know what it means to prevail and travail sometimes in prayer. And so we get to this place where we are sorrowful because we have not seen the hand of the Lord move. And we begin to blame things in people. We begin to, we begin to say, oh, well, this is happening because of this person or that person or this thing or that bank wouldn't give me a loan or this bank wouldn't give me a loan or that bill came in and I should I'm telling you you wind up blaming things and people but I'm telling you you have to be careful you have to be careful in this season. So tonight I want to I wanna drop a few things because I believe that this is the assignment for tonight. To drop just a few things that are going to help some folk out to identify. And I believe that tonight is a night of breakthrough. I believe that tonight there, there's a shift tonight. You see, sometimes we have a, uh, the thing that keeps us from the promise is our own mindset. Come on, somebody. It's right here. It's the battlefield right here. It's the battlefield of the mind. If the enemy can get inside your head, if the enemy could get behind your eyes, ah, uh, yeah, if he could get behind your eyes and change your perception and perspective of things, then you will walk around defeated. And so we read this text and we see this happening to Hannah. And the Bible says in verse 6, and her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when they went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Let me tell you all something. Sometimes when we blame others for what we're walking through, when we start getting mad at the people around us, we need to check ourselves. There's an old saying back in the day, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Come on, somebody. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself because if you're not careful, you will allow yourself to be afflicted by those around us who seem to be walking in great favor or great anointing, somebody, great anointing. Those who seem to just attract multiplication or effortlessly seem to operate in gifts and glory. You You become agitated in your flesh. You, become, you start to wonder, why? Why? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How is this happening for them? How is this happening for them? How, how are they so fruitful? How are they able to go through life and they're driving around in a new car every week and they have to go on 90 vacations a year and they, why, why, I don't understand this. They're so fruitful in all that they, they I, I, I tirelessly war in prayer and I walk up and I pray and I travail and these people seem to just walk up and... People by the droves fall out, right? Come on, somebody. 
and you, you walk through life, and if you're not careful, you will become bitter in your soul. You will become bitter in your spirit. But you have to recognize who's doing this. You have to recognize where this is coming from. The Bible says that the Lord had closed her womb. If we're not careful, we will become vexed by something that is the doing of the hand of the Lord. Oh, the Lord had closed her womb. How many times have you found yourself crying at a closed door? Let's just be real. Let's just be real. I'm going to tell us, there was a season in our life, me and Crystal's life, we went, we was looking for a house. And we felt like we were supposed to move down to Udawa. I heard, I heard the voice of the Lord. <laughs> I'm so stupid because now that I'm sitting here telling this story, it just dawned on me. We were looking at a house and I felt, I heard the voice of the Lord. It was after the 90-day revival and the Lord said, I want you to move to Udawa. So we started looking at houses. We started looking at houses. I got to tell Crystal why. I, I just got a revelation. We started looking at houses. We caught ourselves a realtor, and they started showing us all these houses. They started showing us foreclosures. They started showing us. I walked into houses that smelled like mold because, oh, you can fix these. You can fix it. That we looked at everything. I mean, I walked into houses where people were home when they were showing the house. We were like, oh, we sorry, we interrupting your dinner. You know, I mean, my bad. There were, there were times where people were in the shower. We were walking around the house. We, oh, is the water running up in here? But we went around for months and months and months, and we thought we found a house. We thought we found a house. 5758 Sunup was the address. And we found that house. And I said, man, I really want, I like this house. This is a good house. That's, this is going back oh, like oh, a decade ago. So you know it must mean something if I still remember the address. Come on, somebody. But the fact is, is that I found this house that I liked. And I said, man, this, this is a beautiful house. This must be the Lord. This is a great house. It's in between where you work and where I work. This is wonderful. This, I'm going to get the oil out. I'm going to start anointing everything in this house with oil. Y'all think I'm kidding. No, I'm not. I am not kidding. I walked around that house seven times like I, like I was walking around Jericho. I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it was in full closure. I'm going to own this house. I'm going to own this house. I'm going to walk out. Oh, Right now, every demon in hell, you better back up. There's nobody going to buy this house. This is my house. I claim it. I declare it. I decree it. I was blue in the face, and the neighbors thought I was nuts. But it just dawned on me. The house was in McDonald. The Lord said, where was I? He said, you're going to move to Udawa. I was looking, I was walking around the house in McDonald's, it just dawned on me, y'all. I just had a revelation. I was like, wait a minute, why didn't we get that house? It just hit me. It was in McDonald's. No, anyways, I digress. I'm telling you, though, what happens is we become bitter in spirit because God closed that door. And I was like, oh, heck no. That was my house. Somebody living in my house. Every once in a while, I pull up Zillow and be like, who's living there today? I, was, I went through three different people, but I said, that's my house. And it just dawned on me, it's not my house. I'm in the right place. So thank God. Thank you, Lord. But I found a house, 
in Udawa, and we, we moved into the house in Udawa, but for a, a season, you could ask Crystal, we was vexed. I was upset. I was bitter, but God had closed that door, and we stand at closed doors crying, wondering, why is this door closed on me? This is, and you start, you start casting stuff out, and when there ain't nothing to cast out, you start getting bitter, you start shouting at things, when there ain't nothing to shout about. God says, I've closed that door. I closed that womb. I've closed that thing. I have shut down that job opportunity. And the thing is, somebody in this room right now, if you would have got that job, you don't know who you would have been surrounded by. Come on, somebody. You don't know who you would have been surrounded by. You don't know the types of friends that you would have made at that job. You don't know the guy that may have been assigned to ruin your marriage at that job. Come on, somebody. But God closes those doors. We're not careful. We will get mad crying at a closed door when the closed door was never intended to keep you out. It was intended to push you through. It was never intended to keep you out. It was intended to push you through. You see, I think it's funny. It's funny when we read it. It ain't funny when we in it. But the fact is, is that not only was it depressing that she could not bear a child in that society, in that time, but God thought it'd be real funny if he sent her an adversary. Penina, Penina. Boy, wouldn't it be nice to have, like, Penina. Right? Walk around. Hannah's a beautiful name, Hannah. Penina? I was telling Ryan, it sounded like Panini. I had to be careful. I had to be careful earlier. Because it sounded like Panini. But Panina, that's your name? But I started look, thinking about that and what that, because it, it struck me funny. What does that ma- name mean, Panina? What does that name mean, Panina? You know what that name means? It means rough, jagged coral. Stone. It means a stone. Because sometimes God will put an irritant in your life. Oh, somebody, come on right now. Sometimes God will put something in your life that's jagged, sharp, and it is an irritant. It's actually red coral that is uh, shaped like a, uh, uh, the limbs of a tree is what that means. And Hannah resigned herself to a place of anguish as Peninnah constantly and continually provoked her. Look at your neighbor say, there have been times, there have been times... It may not be that neighbor that did it to you, but there have been times somebody's been provoking you. Because the Lord knows. See, we are creatures that love comfortability. Oh, we are people who love comfortability. We, we pull up in our parking space. Everything got to stay the same. We don't like change. We don't want to be inconvenienced. I'm going to be real with you all. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, as your pastor, I'm going to just tell it like, I'm just going to let it all out there. I don't like to be inconvenienced sometimes. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I like to cook in my house. I'm the cook in my house. I, I'm the cook because I, wanna, I, I like to eat and I want to I wanna live and not die. She's over there. I'm in here. She doesn't hear. Don't tell, okay? <laughs> but I like food. And when Crystal says, hey, listen, I'm, I, I'm, we're on our way home. 
after a long night or whatever, burn night or something, can you make food for everybody? And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. I love to cook. I'm over there, you know, making my own tomato sauce. I, you know, I get the tomatoes out. When I say the, my own, I don't mean the jar. I mean crush up tomatoes. I mean little, little vase in the gold, some basil, some oregano, some more olive oil. I mean, from, like, that's how I cook. And then when nobody comes home and I got all this food out, that's inc- I was inconvenienced. And then you got to wait two hours to talk to me. Because I got to get through that. I'm just being real. I got to pray through. But, but the fact is, is that we don't like to be inconvenienced. We are people of convenience. And as long as we're in a place of convenience, we just kind of coast. We don't like rapids. We like the lazy river. Right? You like to get up in a, in a tube and just float down the lazy river. But the moment that a rapid comes, what happens? You, you, you become inconvenienced. Now you got to pay it. No, no. Now I got to pay. Things are different now. I don't like the way that this is bumpy. This is bumpy. I don't like this. This isn't comfortable. This isn't fun. I, I like the lazy boy. I don't like the hard plastic chair. Come on, somebody. Y'all, I'm, I'm talking to somebody out here, right? But oftentimes God has to send an irritant in our lives. Come on. There are times and seasons that if we are not irritated then we will stay exactly where we are. If we are not provoked, look at your neighbor say provoked. If we are not provoked, then we will remain complacent. And Christianity, there is no room for complacency. The Bible says that we move from glory to glory, right? How do we do this? Is it by staying still? No, it is by moving from glory to glory, right? And oftentimes, if we become satisfied, then we stay where we are and we will never birth what God has for us or within us. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm pregnant. Yeah, men too. That's right. You could be pregnant with a promise. No, I got to be careful these days and age. I mean, my gosh, right? <laughs> We gotta be careful these days. But 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 I'm saying you are pregnant, pregnant with promise. There is a promise, there is purpose within you. And if you are not provoked, then all that God has for you remains right where He put it. So it says that she she was provoked. And and the thing about provocation, you have to be careful, is, is that if it you can be provoked in two different places, like ways. You can be provoked to retreat, or you can be provoked to advance. Oh, I'm preaching to myself. You can be provoked to retreat and say, I give up. This is insane. I don't want to do this no more. I, I don't want to, I don't, I'm not going to buy a house. I'm not going to, you know, you could look at that situation. I didn't get that 57, 58 sun up, and I could say, you know what? We're just going to stay where we are forever. Or you can allow that to provoke you with some, something happens when you're provoked. There's something that rises up inside of you when you're provoked and you just, it's that three snaps in a Z formation, right? You're like, uh-uh, I don't think so. Ain't no way, ain't no how, I don't care. I, yeah, they might, that might've happened, but you know what? I'm gonna go buy myself a mansion. That Buick didn't work out, I'm going to get a Porsche. Right? Something happens when you get provoked. You can either allow that provocation to push you back or you can allow that provocation to push you through. 
And you have to ask yourself, where am I going and what is inside of me? Because everybody sitting in this room has something inside of them. And if you're not careful, you'll retreat instead of advance. So she finds herself provoked to a place of prayer. You see, sometimes God's got to provoke you to pray. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. How many times you wake up in the middle of the night and you know God's telling you to pray, but you're like, man, this, this bed and this pillow is comfy. I ain't waking up right now. Are you kidding me? I mean, come on, somebody. Am I telling on myself and only myself? Come on. I ain't out. Don't leave me out here by myself. Sometimes he has to provoke you. Oh, let a, let a devil show up in your room. You know, he'll nudge you. God will nudge you. And you're like, oh, no. And just roll back over. But let a black shadow show up in your room and the devil show up. Right? And then you're like, oh, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You got holy all kinds of incense burning. You got all kinds of stuff. You're like, oh, oh, you put in some William McDowell. You put in, oh, yeah, come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. Right? You were provoked to pray. You were provoked to pray. And oftentimes, God's got to provoke you to get into a position of prayer because we're too lazy and we're too complacent to do it on our own. And that provocation, you, you have to, I'm telling you, you have to follow Hannah's example. You have to follow this. You have to say, if I'm being provoked, there's a purpose with, for my provocation. There's a purpose why this is happening within my spirit. I have to find out why. And the only place that you could find out why is let it provoke you to the house of the Lord. Let it provoke you. See, that's what happens when you're provoked and you start praying, you'll find yourself in his presence. It's sad, but God knows how to get our attention. He'll provoke you to get to a place of his presence. He says, I, oh, he's a selfish God. He, I want to speak to my child. I, I, I want to hear from my, my child. I want to hear from them. And unfortunately, I got to provoke them to get into my presence. But when they get to my presence, that's where they're going to find breakthrough. When they get up in my presence, that's where they're going to step into the glory. When they get up in my presence, that's when what's in them will be push out of them allow the provocation to place you into his presence oh y'all I'm gonna have to do a part two oh Jesus help me help me I was like I don't know if I have enough I got Three squiggly lines, a Bart Simpson picture. I didn't I my name four times. I didn't know if I was going to have enough in my notes. In verse 14, I want you to look at this. After she was positioned to a place of presence, she began to pray. She, be, she allowed her... Her torment to position her in a place of prayer. And oftentimes that's what happens. That's what happens. 
We become so tormented. We become so vexed. We become so, so, so uh, bitter in our spirit that it positions us for a prayer like we've never prayed before. It says that she prayed and Eli the priest thought she was drunk. Let me help y'all real quick. When you get to that place, how, when was the last time you prayed like a drunk person? When was the last time? No, I'm not talking about an eloquent prayer. Oh, Father in heaven that sits upon the throne who looks over the sills of heaven and walks through the corridors of glory. No, I'm talking about help! Help! Help me, Father! I can't do this without you! I need to break through! I need to travail until I find breakthrough! I'm not talking about some quaint little eloquent prayer. I'm talking about when you, if you, you're the, the, the prayer of the desperate. The prayer of desperation. When was the last time you prayed like that? Oftentimes, we pray these little prayers. And we want God to move. But God moves for desperate hearts. Read your Bible. I'm not saying he, I'm not saying he won't answer prayer on the first help. But what I'm saying is, is that it's in the heart of desperation that God answers because it's when you say, I can't do this on my own. It's when I can't do this without you. It's when all oh, hell breaks loose in your life and you can't do it. When your children have gone crazy, when work is going nuts, when the devil is breathing down your neck and a little eloquent prayer ain't going to do it and all you got inside of you is I'm that desperate. <laughs> Nothing came out. She was in that place. Nothing could even, they said, her lips moved and she was that vexed, that desperate. <laughs> I tried everything else. <laughs> and it was in that place, it was in that place that Eli says, what are you drunk? She's, I'm not, a, I'm not a wicked woman. I'm not wicked. I'm not an evil person. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not of the world. I'm saying I've set myself apart. The Bible says she was fasting. She said that she, put, she was provoked to push the plate away. When was the last time we were provoked to push the plate away? When was the last time we was provoked to push the plate away? When was the last time that you've prayed and fasted? When was the last time you were so vexed by a devil and you couldn't figure out why, but then you reminded of the scripture, these kind only go out by prayer and fasting? When was the last time? It's in that desperation. When you get desperate, you, desperate times call for what? Desperate measures, right? And she got to a place of desperation. She began to pray. And she says, I'm not praying from a place of being drunk, but I am praying out of anguish, from a place of anguish. I am praying with everything that I have within me. I'm praying because I don't, I don't know what else to do. And Eli the priest says, okay. He says, go in peace. The God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked him. There's some people up in this room right now that have prayed. But you've not seen the hand of God move. And because you've not seeing the hand of God move, you've stopped praying. You've just, 
you've, you've not been persistent. Well, that must, be, that must not be God's will. That must not be God's will. That, that just must, I don't know. That just must not be it. You show me in the Bible when you pray and ask anything and anything in his name. Anything. It says it. Go read it. Anything. Ask anything in my name. It doesn't say except for this or but that. It says anything. And then I got some people looking at me right now. I'm not, I'm, I, I'm, I, could, I could feel it being pushed back at me. I could feel it. Let me tell you something. And I'm, t- I'm telling you from experience. There are things that I have prayed for for 15 years. Uh, 15 years I've prayed for things. And Brian will sit there and tell, I'm talking about dear things. I'm talking about life or death things. I'm talking about, if, I'm talking about your children. 15 years you wonder if God's going to move or do anything. And people looking at you like you are absolutely out of your mind. And then one day God moves. And then one day God moves. But I'm telling you, would he have moved if I would have stopped praying? And there are people in this room right now that you prayed once or twice and you didn't see it happen and and you've just walked away from the promise or the purpose that God has for you and what's inside of you. And I'm telling you right now, it's going to be in your persistence. It's going to be in your persistence in prayer. It's not going to be praying just a little thing and and then, no, it's travailing until you get your promise. It says... She prayed, she was sullen, she was, she, was, she was praying and fasting, she was mocked, okay, and then by the priest, come on somebody, and it says, go, God's going to do it for you. She travailed until she found her promise. She travailed until she got a word. When was the last time we prayed until we got a word from the Lord? When was the last time we travailed until we got our breakthrough? I'm trying to wrap this up. Too many of us pray one prayer and give up when God says, no, that's not what this is about. I've provoked you because there's something in you. I've provoked you because you're pregnant. It's in you. you, Let me say this scientifically. Do you know a woman is born with every egg of her whole life? It's already in her. Every egg that would produce a child is in her from birth. It, what's, what God wants out of you is already within you. Are you going to travail? Are you going to be provoked and positioned to a place of presence to where what's in you, he can birth out of you? Or are you just going to pray one prayer that's some, that, think about that for a second. To go through that kind of hell, come on, and through is important, to go through hell. But to go through all that and then just, just give up, become lackadaisical, become, ah, well, you know. I mean, to go through, how many been through some torment? Why do we give up? Why do we just, nah. I guess it must not be worth it. If it's in there and God put it there, it is definitely worth it. It is better than anything you could have ever imagined. You couldn't dream what God has in store for you and this city. You see, this city's not going to change until what's in you comes out. Oh, that's where this is all, this is where this is all going tonight. Now I understand. What's in you 
has to come out. You think that this church is just a church. No, it's not a church. It's a birthing room. It's a birthing room, y'all. Why do you think we're fighting hell? Because it's a birthing room because of what's in you. Because of what's in you. What's in you will change this region. This region ain't changing till what's in you comes out. The purpose, the promise, the healing ministries, the evangelism, the anointing, the glory. There are hosts in this room. Hosts that host his glory. And until that comes out, this region's not going to shift. What's in this room? What com- I'm telling you. What you have in you will be so contagious, and I ain't talking about no plague. I'm talking about what's in you, the anointing of God that's in you will become so contagious. This is my Wednesday night crowd. This is the core. Look at your neighbor say, I'm the core. I am the core. What's in this room will shift Sunday. What's in this room will shift Sunday. What's in here on Sunday will shift Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. will shift the Walmart, the Piggly Wiggly, the Dollar General. will shift the bowling alley across the street. It will begin to shift the landscape of this region. But it's not until what's in you comes out of you. And that's the pain. Are you going to allow the pain to push you back or push it through? Can somebody come up here and help me? I'm getting ready to land. Let me say this too. God was the one that closed her womb. And the enemy will oftentimes taunt you with what God has called you to. There are things that God does in your life that the enemy will whisper in your ear and taunt you about. But make sure that you don't give heed to those voices because it's what God's called you to. And it says that after she got that word, after she prayed and travailed until she got a promise... The woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Let me tell you something. You re- that, that's, that's strategic. She didn't birth nothing yet. She didn't birth a thing yet. But she got up and she went and worshipped. We got some people. Oh, we are living in a generation where people live word to word. They're living word to word. They'll get a word, and when they don't see it come to pass, they go to the next church, the next conference, the next thing, hoping that they hold, get another prophet, give me another word, I need another word, when the word that was given to them in the first place ain't even come to pass yet. It's a microwave society. We don't serve a microwave God, we serve a marinating God. Because he's got to make sure you're marinated right to carry what he's about to take and push through you. She goes and she worships before she ever sees the face of the child, before she ever sees a little hand, before before she sees any of it come to fruition. She worships. Listen to this. She goes and they worship. And then when they came to their house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, this is before she even conceived. She was worshiping on a word. 
Some of us in this room need to worship on a word. God's got a word and he's given it to you and you need to worship on that word. You need to worship him in advance for what he's about to do. You need to worship him like it's already happened because his word is truth. He is not a man that he should lie. You need to worship him like, it's all, like you've already got it. Some of, us, some of us, you've been pregnant, but you've been pregnant way longer than nine months. Some of you have been sitting in this room pregnant with a purpose and a promise for 15 years. And God's just waiting for you to worship. He's just waiting for you to worship. He's just saying, Where, why aren't you worshiping for me for that? Why are you waiting to see what I've already put inside of you before you worship? And it says that, so it came... Uh, Elkanah knew his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Some of you sitting in this room right now, you think that God's forgotten about you. He ain't forgot about you. He's waiting for you to remember him. He's waiting for you to stand on the word that he gave you. It says God remembered her. She became pregnant. She bore a son and called him his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. Let me say this. As I was reading this and preparing for tonight, the Lord showed this to me, and I really feel like this is many people in this room. And so I'm just going to say it like I, I, I heard it. You know, Penina had no problem having children. No issues. Please stand with me. She had no issues having children. And Hannah was barren, but it was the Lord's doing. Sometimes the closed door that you stand before or is intended, and the irritant that God puts in your life is intended to provoke you further than your peers. Penina, we never read or hear of her children ever again. But Samuel, but Samuel, there's some people in this room that you've been pregnant with Samuel. You never hear of Penina's children. What if the closed door was not something that was caused to aggravate you, but to aggravate you to travail for something that no one else can carry? Think about this, guys. Oh, man, the pain you're going through. What if it's not meant to destroy you or disturb you, but to push you into pushing forth something that no one else could carry? I feel this in this room. There are some people in this room that have a glory inside of them. You have an anointing and you're wondering why are all these people going and doing this and doing that and they're being seemingly fruitful and the closed door. I'm standing at closed doors. My womb is closed. And God says, if you didn't pray all these years, think about that. If she would have just been satisfied, 
Would she ever been able to birth a Samuel? You say, well, what does that matter? What does that matter? Samuel was the last judge. And through Samuel was ushered in kingship into Israel. And the hand of that child was laid upon Saul and then upon David. And then through the loins of David comes the Messiah. Had she not travailed, had she not been provoked, oh God, thank you for your provocation. Thank you for your provocation, God. Oh God, thank you. Oh God, there's some people in this room that need to thank him. Thank you, God, for the pain. Thank you, God, for the pain. Oh, God, thank you, because what he's birthing through you. I want to open these altars right now because there's some people that are going to step into the promise tonight. There's some people that are going to birth some things tonight. There's some people in, I'm opening them, this is your call. I'm telling you, there are some people in this room that need to thank him for the pain. There's some people tonight that when you make the step to come down here, there's a shift. There is a shift. There is a shift, and tonight, there's a reason why you've been in pain. There's a reason why you've been afflicted. There is a reason why you have been irritated. It has been to provoke you to a place that you will travail so that God can have come through you something greater. The Bible says, Jacob I love, but Esau I hated. And you look at the hell that Esau or Jacob went through and how easy Esau had it. He chastises those who he loves because he wants to birth something out of you.